0: Greetings and salutations. Welcome, everybody, to Keyboard Kamora. I'm your host, E. Spencer Kite, friendly neighborhood Spencer man. It is Thursday, July 6th, and that means it's time for 10 things. And because it's July 6th, that means it's time for 10 things that I like. About UFC 290, which takes place Saturday at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, the International Fight Week pay-per-view, always historically a banger of a show even in the years where shit goes sideways and things go crazy, shout out to UFC 200, it's always a great show. And this one is one that I've been looking forward to since it started to come together, since we started to get an idea of what matchups would be on this card. And even with some of the changes that have taken place, and I will touch on those shortly, I am still all the way pumped up. I said last week that this is my favorite show to record. I mean it 100%. And it's because I get to take my energy and my excitement for what's on tap and hopefully transfer it over to you. Hopefully give some of it to you, get you a little bit more pumped up if you weren't already. My hope is that you are already because this is an absolute monster of a fight card. Top to bottom, 14 fights starting at 3 p.m. Pacific on Saturday. Going to be an amazing night. Going to go through these and we start at the top item number 1 Alexander Volkanovsky is fighting Yair Rodriguez. Now that may sound like a weird way to kick this off by just telling you reminding you what the main event is on Saturday. Feather featherweight championship unification bout between Alexander Volkanovsky and the interim champion Yair Rodriguez. But for me it's more than just that those two people are fighting it's it's all of all of this fight in its entirety. I'm at a bit of a loss for words. I'm at a bit of a stumble for words because this fight excites me so much because it feels like a fight, as I said yesterday on one question that could go any number of ways. And that uncertainty, that unexpectedness just gets me energized. Alexander Volkanovsky, arguably the pound for pound best in the sport today, 12 and one in the UFC, 12 and 0 in the featherweight division, great showing in February going up a division to take on lightweight champ Islam Mahashev. One fight before that in Perth at UFC 284, Yair Rodriguez turned in what for me is the best performance of his career. Second round submission win over Josh Emmett to claim the interim featherweight title. And now they meet. Now we get the cerebral, calculating, high IQ, tremendous worker, Alexander Volkanovsky, taking on the mercurial, abundantly talented, dynamic, creative Yair Rodriguez. And it's a fascinating pairing to me. It's fascinating to me. And and I don't care. It's funny. As I talked with Volkanovski on Tuesday, we were talking about how challenges like this and how challengers in general add fuel to the fire. He's going to do the work anyways. He's pumped up anyways. And he's putting in the effort anyways. But then you get a guy like Yair Or you get a guy like Mahashev in February or a future guy like Ilya Tepuria and it ups the ante just that little bit more. It makes the work that was already going to be put in a little bit easier to put in, if that makes sense. And he said to me while we were talking, it doesn't matter if it's a challenge on Saturday or not, like regardless of if it turns out to be a challenge or not. And that's the little hook for me that really sets in for me about the way this could play out and that makes this fight fascinating it may not be a competitive fight either one of these guys in my opinion can finish early can win in dominant fashion it could also be 25 minutes of excellence as we got from Volkanovski and Mahashev earlier this year and I am here for every second of this fight whether it is 25 seconds or 25 minutes I love watching Alexander Volkanovsky fight. I love watching Yair Rodriguez fight. I love the idea of them sharing the octagon. I cannot wait for this fight on Saturday. But the really cool thing, the really great thing, is that there's 13 fights before it that I'm looking forward to as well. Item number two, Brandon Moreno finally faces Alexandre Pantoja again. So, this one has been in the works, and and I wrote up my preview for osdb sports earlier today and in doing so sort of detailed the timeline of this right fought on tough fought in the ufc in may 2018 we're supposed to face we're supposed to fight after pantoja beat brandon Royval moreno's the champion he had defeated davison Figueiredo they basically agreed to it in the cage pantoja politely looked up, looked over to moreno who was on the spanish broadcast and said don't you want to fight me like, I respect you, but but don't you want to fight me again? And Moreno kind of nodded his head yes and called him on. And it was basically penciled in. It was going to happen. And then Pantoja blew out his knee. That fight got scrapped. Moreno goes back into face Davis and Figueredo for a third time. Loses the belt. Does the interim fight with Kai Kara France last year. Fights Figueredo to close things out once and for all in January. That same night that Moreno won... The interim title, Pentojo returned and blitzed Alex Perez in a dominant performance, 91 seconds, just got in his face, hit him, jumped on his back, choked him out, and now they finally do it again. And as much as we can all sit here, and rightfully so, as much as we rightfully look at it and go, look, it's five years ago, Brandon Moreno is certainly, unquestionably, a better more complete, more experienced fighter than he was then. Still that little, little nagging voice in the back of my head that says, yeah, but this guy's got him twice. And both of them were convincing. Both of them were were one-sided. Submitted him in the second round in the Ultimate Fighter House. Beat the holy hell out of him inside the octagon. And I'm sure that Brandon Moreno... And the team he's been working with in terms of coaches and training partners have said, put that all aside. None of that matters. You're not going out here for vengeance. You're not going out here for a measure of revenge. You're going out here as the champion to defend your title and prove once again that you are the best flyweight in the UFC, if not the world. But that little voice is there and that's the hook of this one. That's what really truly pulls you in. Going to be a good fight regardless but the history between them elevates it even more. And so I want to see if Moreno can get past that, if he really is finding himself and finding the best version of himself as it has looked in these last two fights. We know Pantoja is coming across the cage, getting in his face and ready to go 25 minutes of hell. I talked to him last week. He told me as much. It's going to be a war, brother. It's going to be bloody. He expects a fight of the night with Brandon Moreno on Saturday. I can't wait to find out if it's true. Item three, is Duplessis title eliminator. And I, I frame it as Duplessis title eliminator because as much as I love Robert Whitaker, as much as I appreciate all that he has done in the totality of his career, I think Bobby Knuckles needs to do more than beat Duplessis, even if it's quick and dominant and highlight reel. I think he needs to do more to get another shot at Israel Adesanya because he is already 0-2 and the last fight was relatively recent. But for Duplessis, if he goes out and does the thing that no one at middleweight other than Adesanya has been able to do, that boy is fighting for the title. And as I said yesterday, I will come on here on Sunday, offer my mea culpas, offer my apologies to Still Knox, give him all of his due for doing something that no one else has done. That is certainly a difficult task. But this is the one, right? This is, this is the stuff I live for. This is the stuff I love. This guy has been proving me wrong and many other people wrong. For all five fights in the UFC. Now, not that I was doubting him in the fight with Marcus Perez. Or the fight with Trevin Giles. Or some of those early fights. But along the way, every time I've seen him, I've thought, man, this just... Something about him that just doesn't quite give me that championship contender feel. It's a little bit of the way he looks a little labored after the first round. It's a little bit the way he moves. Some of these fights are closer than I would have liked for a guy that's continuing to move forward. But maybe that's just who he is. Maybe that's just the way these fights go. That's just the way everything plays out. Because at the end of the day, gets the hand raised. End of the day, he gets those victories. And if he gets one on Saturday, he will be fighting for the middleweight title later this year. That is my guess. The reason, I think the reason we haven't had an announcement of a main event for Sydney, the reason we haven't had a announcement of an Israel Adesanya fight is because they're waiting for the outcome of this one on Saturday. I think that's the case for Abu Dhabi as well. See what happens in the main event. See if that has to, or is going to impact what gets booked for October. And we're going to see with this one, what gets booked for September. If Duplessis wins, it should be a title fight. And I would be all the way in on that fight. Because if you get through Robert Whitaker, if you beat the Reaper, if he comes for you, and you say not today, you've earned it. And you've earned my respect, and you've earned my appreciation, and I will be circling the date on my calendar that you fight for the title. Item four. Jalen Turner is fighting Dan Hooker. A lot of these are fairly straightforward and fairly basic, but I want to say them this way and frame them this way and have them written out on my document in front of me this way as as a point. It is purposeful. I don't want to sit here and create flowery subheads and flowery names for each of these points because I don't think it's needed. I don't think that's what's merited here. I want to come on here and tell you that Jalen Turner is a tremendous talent who last time out lost to Montoy Gamrot in a close fight, in a competitive fight. And before that, he beat five straight fighters inside the distance using his tremendous length, his tremendous finishing instinct, and the variety of attacks and assaults and finishing abilities that he has. And he's stepping in on Saturday with a guy that I think universally we can agree is a violence agent, is a guy that goes out there, win or lose, and gives every ounce of himself in entertaining fights from start to finish, as long as it takes in Dan Hooker. I think there is a tendency to undervalue fights like this, to downplay fights like this, whether it's because they are alongside a collection of bigger names of bigger fights with more stakes, or because we look at Jalen Turner and we look at Dan Hooker and we say, well, they've never gotten to that point. But I am here to tell you today, on Thursday, July 6th, 2023, that this is an amazing fight. These are top 15 lightweights that are going to go to absolute war on Saturday. I know I said earlier that Pantoja expects a fight of the night with Brandon Moreno. I expect this. To be in the running. And if it's not, it's because one of these lads has gone out and grabbed themselves a performance of the night bonus by finishing the other, which would be a big tall order. Pun intended, a little bit with Jalen Turner being freakishly tall for this division. This is an amazing fight. Jalen Turner has tremendous upside. He's still in his late 20s, but he's got a wealth of experience. He's really set his footing and gotten his footing in the UFC over these last couple of fights. And Dan Hooker is a nightmare. He is the litmus test. He is the measuring stick here. We lost to Gamrot. Fine. Take that one little half step back. See what you can do against Dan Hooker. Beat Dan Hooker, and we're back into the top 10. We're back facing established, talented, dangerous names. And if Dan Hooker wins, he's right back there. It feels like people have forgotten that it wasn't that long ago that Dan Hooker went shot for shot with Dustin Poirier lost the fight fine went in there and went 25 minutes with the diamond this is an outstanding fight not that i want to move any of these from any of this card not going into that one today but if you took this and made this a fight night main event as they very much could have and there was whining about why is this the main event blocked muted done we're over this is an outstanding fight Sit back and enjoy it on Saturday. Item number five, Bo Nichols' sophomore appearance. I know there are probably some people that are cooled a little bit on Bo Nichols stepping into the octagon on Saturday because he's taking on newcomer Val Woodburn, 7-0. and Short for the division, but built like a fire hydrant. Shout out to Chris Curtis, who, who called him that on Instagram after doing some training with him. But I'm not. I'm I'm fascinated. By Bo nickel right now and as i mentioned earlier i put together my preview for osdb sports for this event which will run tomorrow on the website please go check that out thank you kindly and in doing so i got to a little point with nickel and, and writing about nickel of why he is one of the fighters to watch this weekend and it's about sort of his progression it's about his development and his place in the division the place that he's at in his career and ostensibly what i said was as much as there is this desire to rush him forward and have him fighting more established names, more dangerous, more skilled, experienced opponents than the Jamie Picketts of the world. Treshawn Gore that he was supposed to fight here. Val Woodburn, who he will fight here. I look at him as someone that just turned 27 at the start of this year. So he's in his age 27 year. If he gets two fights in, in this year, he will move to five and oh. And if he gets two more over each of the next two years, so his age 28 year and his age 29 year, two more fights. Ideally, let's say hypothetically, two more wins each of those years. We got a guy that's nine and oh, maybe he gets three fights in there somewhere. We got a guy that's 10 and zero, going into at the start of his age 30 year when he's in his physical prime, when he's in his athletic prime, he's had three or four years to develop those skills, to build the talents to get further acclimated to this sport, to round out the rest of their game. And then we got time. Then we can see what happens. I know there is this desire to hustle athletes, to hustle young fighters, promising fighters, guys with buzz up the ladder because we want the level of the matchup to equal or be commensurate to the amount of buzz and the amount of excitement, the amount of hype and attention that they get. But with guys like Nickel, it's never going to happen because the buzz and the hype is just too far. And that's understandable. That's not a knock on him. That's not a knock on anybody that is hyped about him. It's just the way it is when you're a three-time NCAA national champion and four-time All-American. This is one of the better prospects to come into the sport in a great number of years. And so I get that there are people that say, ah, get him in there with a top 15 fighter. Get him in there with somebody that has more experience than these guys that are 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, whatever it is in the UFC or 7-0 as the case is with Val Val Woodburn this weekend. Pump the brakes. Take your time. Let's just get looks. Let's just get experience. Let's collect data on this dude. The fight with Jamie Pickett was a good performance, but it wasn't a great performance. It took him a while to finish that arm triangle choke. And that's just experience. That's just understanding positionally where he needs to go, how he needs to finish that. The fact that he gets there is promising. The fact that he gets there acknowledges and and shows the amount of work he's done in building jujitsu into his wrestling game, of building a more complete grappling skill set. But the fact that it took him a while to finish to get that done shows that there's still room to grow. So let's afford him that time. I know that this weekend is most likely knocking on wood, going to be a smash job because he is so skilled and because Woodburn is coming in on short notice and is a guy that has just essentially been getting started, beating people on the regional circuit. But let's just wait, let's just take our time with this because there's no reason yet to rush him forward. There's no reason. To throw him into the deep end. He's got time. Let's get him to six, seven, eight, nine, and oh, and then see where we're at. It's 10 things I like for UFC. 290 takes place Saturday at T Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Halfway through, we get to item number six. Jack Della Madalena returns. Similarly to Nickel, facing a short notice replacement in Josias Harrell, was supposed to be a tremendous matchup, a very appetizing matchup with Sean Brady. But Brady got injured, staph infection turned into even worse on his elbow, get well soon, Sean. But again, similar to Nickel, while there are some people that are likely out on this fight or not as excited about seeing Nichols step into the cage. They probably feel the same about Della. I am not one of those people. I have said it time and again and will every single chance I get. If you want to give me an opportunity to watch these people compete so that I can pull information so that I can make further reads, glean further data about them, I'm in. I like watching great fighters. I like watching really talented young fighters that I still have questions about. And Della fits that category. And so, yeah, it's simplistic. Yeah, again, it's probably going to be a smash job. No disrespect to Josias Harrell, who, similar to Woodburn, undefeated. All the the desire to be great that everybody has going into this. It's probably not going to go well. Della is really goddamn good. It's already ranked in the top 15 through four fights in the UFC, all first round finishes. It's probably going to go similar to that, but I want to see him compete. These are the kinds of things. And I think I touched on this a little bit yesterday, but we look at these matchups of promising fighters and established fighters on the roster. When they get in there with short notice opponents, and we talk about it being all risk, no reward. And that is very much true. That is the case for nickel. That is the case for Della Maddalena, but there's something to be said. And for me, there's something informative about them going out and doing what we expect them to. So if Della goes out here and blows out Harold on Saturday, a lot of people will just go, yeah, that's expected. And I get that. And fine, it is. But I look at it and go, well, he didn't slip on a banana peel first and foremost because losing is disastrous. And he did what was expected, which is one of the hardest things to do Not just in this sport, but in life. Following through and delivering on what is expected of you, whether reasonable or unreasonable, is difficult. And I want to see if he can do it. I think he can, but I want to watch it happen because it's going to give me more information about this man going forward. About this guy that I think is facing a top 10 opponent after this. Because there's no reason to have him sit around and wait for Sean Brady to get healthy. He's going to want to fight in Sydney in September. That's my guess. Is when he's done this one, he'll get on the mic and be like, well, we're going back to Australia, so I guess I'm fighting in September. And I want to see it. I want to see it on Saturday. I want to see it in Sydney. I want to see it every chance I get. Item seven. Another look at Yasmin Haragui. This sort of ties in. Two fights into the UFC career, two wins, 10-0 overall, 24 years old. Just give me more. I said yesterday that I don't necessarily like the timing of this matchup with Denise Gomes because I think a 23 year old and a 24 year old both coming off TKO wins in the second round, getting matched up at this stage where it doesn't necessarily do a lot for the winner, doesn't necessarily make sense. But I'm still all the way here for it. And I am very much in on getting more looks at Haragwi. I thought she looked good in her win. Over Yasmin Lucindo in her debut, I thought she showed a lot more in the victory over Estela Nunez last time out. Got rocked early, rallied, maybe even won that first round, and then got her out of there in the second. Again, it's the same thing. She's 24. She's 10 fights in. Let me get more data. Let me see more of her. Let me make more reads. And every time she goes in there against somebody experienced or dangerous or scary or talented or a power hitter like Denise Gomes is, who has a lot of violence going through her. I'm interested. I want to see it. I don't need every fight to be championship stakes, divisional ramifications, or any of that. I just want to see these really talented fighters step in the cage. And Haragwi is a really talented fighter that I want to see more of. And I get two on Saturday. And I like that. Item number eight. Tatsuro Tyra is fighting. Knock on wood. And I am knocking on wood. Scheduled to compete two weeks ago in Jacksonville. Clayton Rodriguez turns up at weigh-ins. Is three pounds over. Second straight fight that he's missed weight. So the fight gets cut. We don't get any Tatsuro Tyra. I get messages from Harry on Saturday morning. Saying I'm still bummed out that Tatsuro Tyra isn't fighting today. And then we get an announcement pretty soon after, I think maybe like Sunday or Monday. Tatsuro Tyra facing Edgar Cherez on UFC 290. And now here we are. We get Tatsuro Tyra Again, knock on wood, provided everything goes well. Catchweight fight at 130 pounds. Cherez is the guy, as I mentioned yesterday, from that Fury FC fight a few months ago uh, against Johnny Vasquez, where he Puts him in a triangle, puts him to sleep. Ref doesn't step in. Armbar, he eventually wakes up. Big schmas. Nothing to do with Charrez. He's done. He did his part. He did what he was supposed to do and didn't take it as far as maybe he could have. So thankful for that. But again, it's 23-year-old that's 3-0 in the UFC and undefeated for his career. Give me all of it. Let's go. More so with this one, and or maybe more importantly with this one for me, is I think there's the possibility here. If Tyra goes out and just looks dominant again, right? Looked very good against Jesus Aguilar last time out. If he goes out and dominates here, this is a case of just drop him in in a top 15 pairing. Just get him in there with a top 10 guy. Because flyweight is shallow, and this kid's already shown 4-0 in the UFC if he gets his victory on Saturday. That's the stuff I'm looking for. I want to see on Saturday when I watch Tyra's fight. Does he have the stuff? We've seen a bunch of flyweight fights recently, and there's certainly one coming up later that later on Saturday night after this fight that is going to tell us more. I want to see what he looks like and think about it in comparison to some of the people I've seen compete. The name that sticks out for me as a potential dance partner is Tim Elliott. Like, he goes out and looks great on Saturday. I, I kind of want to see him in there with Tim Elliott. kind of want to see him in there with Steve Urseg. Matt Schnell. Somebody like that. Somebody in that lower, below the top five. I don't think we got to go crazy. I mean, I, look, if you wanted to do Muhammad Makhayev, I would object because two 23-year-olds don't need to face each other yet. But I'd watch. I'm here for all the Tetsuro Tyra just the way it is every time he fights and and if for some reason this one doesn't come through and again I'm knocking on wood Harry I'm sorry I'll be here for to provide condolences and listen to all of the sadness and all of the tears but we're going to get our boy on Saturday and it's going to be amazing item number nine third appearance for Cameron Simon like this kid had a chance to talk to him get to know him a little bit pick his brain a little bit about fighting carries himself like someone, well above his age, far more mature both as a person and as a fighter than a twenty-three-year-old that is relatively young in his career. So far, he's two zero in the UFC. Stoppage win over Stephen Coslow, majority decision win over Manny Martinez last time out. As I mentioned yesterday on one question, there's been some fouls. There's been some issues, and I do want to see as I as I talked about yesterday, I do want to see it clean clean performance here. And I do want to see if we can get a little more of what we saw in the contender series. We can get a little more of the variety on the feed. If we can get a little more of the overall totality of the game in this matchup with Terrence Mitchell, another one of these fights where an opponent has been replaced. I think this is a chance for him to show out down the road. One of the other things that I'm really looking forward to that is stuck in my head and as a can't-wait-to-see with Cameron Simon is when he's not fighting alongside his teammate, Drikus Duplessis. So far, it's three for three, and I have no problem with it. Team coming over from South Africa, bring them both, makes a whole lot of sense. At some point, they will most likely have to go their separate ways. We saw it last week with Ismail Bonfim not fighting on the same card as his brother Gabriel. But on Saturday, I just want to see more of Cameron Simon. I just, young, talented, undefeated, couple of things that he needs to work on and we get to see what kind of work he put in. What more can I ask for? Item number 10, setting the stage for the second half. One of the things I always love about the International Fight Week card, and I know it takes place in the second half of the year, but it feels like the turn for me. It feels like the point where we really truly shift into the back half of the year. And I think this event is going to give us a clear picture of things in a few different divisions. I think we certainly get it at middleweight, depending on how Duplessis and Whitaker turns out. Obviously we get it at flyweight and featherweight, two championship fights. I think we get to see where Tyra is, where Della is, what happens at lightweight in terms of where Jalen Turner or Dan Hooker kind of line up going forward. And it also just feels like it really gets us into, and I say this with no disrespect to the folks that stepped in the octagon last weekend on the 1st of July. It really gets us set up for an exciting July because we've got some good stuff coming up, especially in Salt Lake City. But we've got some stuff coming up that's going to be instructive. And then we move into an important August with a pay-per-view in Boston. And then it just keeps rolling. And this to me feels like the starting point of that. This feels like we really kick it off, right? Sure. July 1st happened. Great. Enjoyed it. Tons of fun. Thoroughly enjoyed it. This is the jump off to summer. This is the kickoff party. And it's going to set the stage for what happens the rest of the year. And I really, truly can't wait. I love the international flight week events. I've been fortunate to get to one. In the past, probably need to get to another one at some point, not this year. Obviously, I'm here in hot, sweaty, feels like Vegas, Abbotsford, although talking to some people in in Vegas, it's hotter down there. So I'm happy that I'm here. I'm happy that you have sat down and enjoyed this, consumed this. Before I let you go, if you are watching on YouTube, check out the QR code in the top corner that will take you to the Keyboard Kimura Substack where you can subscribe for free for five bucks a month or for $50 a year however you choose to do so is greatly appreciated. It gets all of my content into your inbox the minute I hit publish. Also check out the guys at OneBone, OneBoneBrand.com, at OneBone on Twitter and Instagram. Loads of great stuff. Five-year anniversary drop was a few days ago. Go check that stuff out. Promo code ESK20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. All of my stuff is right there at that handle, at SpencerKite. First time I've nailed that finger point. Happy about that. And if you're listening on, on Substack or wherever you get your podcasts, you missed that. But I nailed the finger point. And that's a big thing for me. Thank you for listening. I hope this did its job of getting you excited, getting you pumped for UFC 290 on Saturday. I will be back tomorrow with the standard Friday double dip, the punch drunk predictions, the betting show. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, know that you're loved know that you're appreciated. We'll talk to you soon.